Rawnot researched real life stories. Hi guys, welcome to Inspirational Interviews, a super cool life stories platform where we showcase real life stories of people from all over the world. Brave hearts, famous or not, going out there doing their thing. These interviews are not staged. The conversations can go anywhere. What's your life story? Be inspired by these stories to create your beautiful life. With me, your host, Jen Rod. Guys, listening now, <clears throat> Mark and I actually have had a whole interview already. Um, but in South Africa, we have this thing called power cuts and load, load shedding, actually. So um, that's what happens from time to time, sometimes too often. And that's what happened on the day we had our interview. So we lost the interview. So anyway, here we are again. And this is going to be just as raw, um, not research, because I'm going to go into other questions. And obviously, just so you guys know who Marco is, we're going to go back into just setting the scene of who Marco is. And Marco, so I'm going to hand over to you now. Just tell everyone a little bit, where are you now? Uh, why are we having this conversation? All right, where I am at now. I'm a mm. quadriplegic. So I had an accident in 2013, a former professional fitness athlete, personal trainer. And then my life changed tragically. And mm. yeah, right now, like Jen said, I'm a, I'm a quadriplegic. There's a whole lot to me. There really is. But um, yeah, I'm, I can say I can walk as a quadriplegic. I've trained for many years to get to this point. And um, yeah, Jen, you can ask away many questions as we've discussed <laughs> in our other interview. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, well, tell everyone how you had the crash. What happened? Okay, so at um, the night of the of the accident, I went out with the owners of the federation I was involved with, that I became professional with, and um, yeah, we went out. I wanted to have a, a meeting with them, discussing the future of my plans of what I'm going to be doing with the federation. And two minutes later, the I was a passenger of a vehicle, and we went off an embankment, off Camp, Camps Bay Drive, land on Camps Bay. Um, on the high school field and uh, yeah my life just changed instantly but to be honest with you like I said to Jen before um, I had such a euphoric feeling you know it was very hectic mm. the car did roll down it happened within a split second literally um, I've still got that 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 scent that smell of dust you know it, it, it traumatized me and just the sound of like crumbling and all of that, it was yeah, it was hectic, and um, yeah, I, I was I was at peace, you know. Before the accident, I was so stressed about life; everything was just so hectic. Um, even though I became what I wanted to be, I was just I wasn't happy. I remember phoning my sister in tears actually when I mean I became pro. I was doing well with personal training; everything was grand, and I just wasn't happy, and I didn't know why. Um, but, and I had my accident and all of that was gone instantly. I was just at, like, mm. at peace because I knew what had happened to me immediately. I was I couldn't feel a single thing. So I knew I was paralyzed immediately. I, I accepted it right then and there. So I knew mm. already there's going to there's gonna be a new start to a new life instantly. So, um, yeah, I just took it from there. And here yeah. I am today. <laughs> 
And um, obviously, because I now, you know, I know quite a lot. So all these things are going through my head um, while you're sort of, you know, going back to, to what I already know. Um, so just for everyone to to also know better, just explain exactly what you were doing, you know, in terms of professional fitness athletes, what you were doing, and also why it was that you came to be in the car at that moment, which normally you probably wouldn't have been, and how, you know, the ego drove you also, this sort of sense of getting what you want, but also going against a little bit this gut feeling. So all my life, like any other athlete, we we train and we want to become professional, main goal. And once you become professional, you want to go overseas to world champs. So that was my main goal. And I, I finally got to that point. I got my pro status on to that, in 2013. Mm -hmm. I think it was May, if I'm not mistaken. And that was a highlight of my life, really. You know, you, mm -hmm. you, you aim for that. And so I wanted to go overseas. And that night, I'd, like, I was planning that night for a long time to meet with the guys and to discuss how I'm going to do this, how are we going to do this. Because financially, I had no sponsors and I wasn't in that, that financial state of I can go to Las Vegas. You know, it's, it's, it's a hectic expense. So it was a whole discussion of how, how I'm going to do this, how can we do this. And, um, yeah, the night came about. We went to Caprice. I'd booked a section at Caprice. For those that don't know, Caprice, it's a very well-known cocktail bar slash restaurant going into a whole little club life up, uh, late at night. <laughs> and we had a brief meal there. We had a small chat. And then we went off to, we, we, sorry, we were invited to Shimmy. So we went, which is another same type of vibe. Mm. So we went there, which wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't part of my plan. Um, I'd work the next morning at six o'clock, so my vibe wasn't to go out for the evening. But anyway, I went along anyway, you know, so something I wouldn't have normally have done. That's for sure. Gut feeling, intuition, why am I doing this? Let's just do it. Now again, forcing something that wasn't for me. Um, yeah, went along with it. The and when you say forcing, by, just let me, sorry. So when you say forcing yeah. something that wasn't for me, just elaborate mm -hmm. on that. Uh, you know, just what again? It was a feeling that I had. There wasn't, I could say, for me. How to explain it? In a professional sense, it was for I just wanted to compete. But then it was more of a social vibe going on, which wasn't what I wanted. Which wasn't for me at that that evening. That wasn't for me. You know, I didn't want to go out to to have fun. I wanted to have a bit of a discussion. I mean, if the guys wanted to fun, that's all cool. But I should have left at that time. Mm. You know, it wasn't, mm. again, it wasn't for me. So mm. it wasn't for me to party that night. So, yeah, it was more of a business discussion was in my mind. And yeah. uh, But I just carried on. I, you know, I just went for it. I was like, um, didn't have a single drink. I think I had a glass of water. It was so packed. I mean, I couldn't even get to the bar. So it wasn't even in my mind. It was like, oh, what am I doing here again? So it got to twelve o'clock, and I said, "So, so you hadn't even, yeah, you hadn't even been drinking, right? So you weren't no, boozed." I had one, um, I had one drink at Caprice, and that was it. That yeah, I mean, and, that was it. It was yeah. Yeah, and then the other guys were they drinking? Yeah, they were pretty much having fun. <laughs> they yeah. were having a good time. I mean, 
the intention was to party man yeah 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 so tell me why why in that um, and you can carry on with you know what led you you know going then from to that next place but why did you not also think you know these oaks are having an absolute jewel i think i better drive you know i mean it was I, a I long didn't, I, I didn't drive so i didn't have a license i went with them and so i was with them in the vehicle i mean sorry you didn't have a car yeah but you didn't have a license transport i didn't have a license i was a passenger of the car so the transport okay. was that evening obviously i relied on them you know mm. i was yeah in their car yeah. So, okay, yeah. cool. All right. So here you were and you were thinking, you know, what am I doing? This place is packed. And and we all know that feeling, right? When you go out, you think, oh, I shouldn't go out. Okay, now let me go out. A little bit of FOMO, um, mm. you know, and you, you're out and everyone's, you know, drinking. In South Africa, we say jolling. And um, and you, you keep having this feeling of not really wanting to be there. And, and, and in your case, it ended up really badly but one that's debatable and we can philosophize into that just now but you know a lot of the time people will go home and say that was such a waste of time i should have just listened yeah. to myself yeah yeah 100% 100% and i mean even when we left again i, I said we have to leave i got a client at 6 have to leave at 12k respectfully we we had left but we literally drove past my flat i could have right there again jumped out said guys okay cool thanks for the evening and left and just said mm. you know i could have i could have called in the next day and discussed it over the phone but no i wanted to carry on i wanted to hear it that's just consistent that that's just very persistent should i say so we went over to the place where they were staying and we had a chat and i, I had finally heard what i wanted to hear and what i wanted to hear was basically that that they would have my back so I wanted to hear him say, you know what, Marco, we've we've got you. You know, we'll assist you, we'll help you. And that's all I wanted to hear. You know, that's what we'll everyone wants you. to hear. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll help, help you help get you. overseas. Because yeah. that's yeah. what's the goal. So they were gonna and um well I told you just this in our first in somewhat way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just assist in somewhat way. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Financially. Mm, getting sponsors on board because they had the contacts. So, yeah. <laughs> so okay, so you heard that, and then you got back in the car. And then I got back in the car, but the guy was—I mean, there was two guys. I mean, the driver—he looked totally fine. Really, honestly, he looked totally. Fine. He had a couple of drinks, but he looked fine, and um, jumped in the car. And I just remember as we drove off, as we drove off, I put my seatbelt in. I don't put a seatbelt on. I don't know if anyone else does. I don't know if you do, but I never do. And that evening, whew, I took, I just gripped it and put it in. And I was like, okay, you know, thank goodness for that. And I was reaching out to put on the, the music, you know, when I put on the sound, pump the music while we're going home. And as I reached out to put it on, I decided not to. So, you know, two things that happened very strangely in what in somewhat way within two minutes and it was literally two corners two bends and instead of turning a left we landed up turning a right went off the embankment happened within seconds and yeah it was yeah and then i landed up in hospital which was quite a scene as well totally horrific an absolute nightmare i mean if you had to put yourself in a movie like saw 
or any horror movie where people get tortured, literally tortured. It was like that for a very, very long time. Um, yeah. Well, but tell I, them I'm what happened. Here. Um, yeah, I rushed off into hospital because I dislocated. I dislocated my C223, which is on the top of your vertebrae, and I fractured the three to four. So what they well, literally put it back together because it was dislocated, but they couldn't due to the fracture. So they put it into traction, which um, they put calipers in your head, which is like Frankenstein style. It is so hectic. Mm. When I saw what was going on, I just couldn't believe what was happening to me. Just at this mm. point, you're like, what on earth is happening? And they put these these calipers in my head. I literally heard my skull crack. Like I was, The pain was horrendous. I couldn't feel my body. Totally paralyzed, so that was fine. Could feel my head, though. I mean, and of mm. all things, those calipers mm. were going in my head total crack and then he then they took it out and i looked at the looking at the doctor and i was like why did you take mm. it out and he was like no i put it in wrong oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> words you do not want to hear at that point <laughs> so mm. so then he went going for it again round two with that same pain if not worse it was just going in and in and then he took it out again. Mm. <laughs> At that point, I, I, I was very pretty much verbal, and I said to him, just get away from me, like really get away from me, and get a doctor in, which he was a doctor. So another doctor came through, and he, he, opened, he opened a new pack in front of me, which I could see. I mean, I was like, okay, put a new one. Here we go Shame. again, third mm. time. And yeah, he went in and, it went in fine. And they yeah. were pulling it up with 24 kgs, trying to pull my neck up, trying to get it back. Um, not manually, but just in hope that it would slip back in, which it didn't. So then we went into surgery 12 hours later. And it was 100 success. Yeah. And surgery. this was, I mean, these, these uh, Frankenstein sort of devices were to sort of keep your head erect to sort of try and correct the the, the damage yes. in the spine trying yeah. trying to uh, the spine the neck so because it was a dislocation it wasn't broken they were just trying to get it back into place and if mm. if if that had happened i would have a whole lot more mobility than right now yeah 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 but things happen for a reason. So, well, um, while you're yeah. saying that, I'm just, you know, while you're saying that, um, you know, I'm going to go into, you know, sort of my, you know, we'll we'll paint more of the picture as we go along for, you know, for everyone. But, you know, why why do you think that's what I was thinking? Is why do you think that kind of shit happens to people, like to you? Why do you think that that happened to you? Why did you have to go through all that pain and, you know? Well, just horrible I'll, experience. Yeah, well, before before the accident, um, I've been through a lot prior to that. Not physical, but more emotional and just, I mean, I've lost my parents prior to that. My mom passed away in 2012. My dad passed away mm. in 2007. So all of mm. those things, there were a whole lot more before my accident. So yeah. I was, I, I've, been, I've been conditioned for this. Even throughout my training, uh, going through that pain of training, if I didn't feel the pain when I trained, 
I wasn't satisfied, then I, I literally would be upset if I wasn't in pain after my training session. So getting into all of this is just in preparation, to be honest with you. But I can only I only feel this I only feel this way now because it's almost eight years later. But at that time I had no clue what was happening. So it was very traumatic. A lot of highly medicated with a lot of opioids. It was just too much. So I was I didn't know what it was plotting for about to be very honest, about a year maybe just over a year, a year and a half or so mm-hmm. before I decided myself to take myself off some of the medication. And uh, when I did that, t- things started changing. I could think clearer. I had more mobility. I could move. I, I was a slightly stronger. My mm-hmm. recovery started coming a lot quicker. And um, yeah, just things started changing when yeah, taking some medication out. Yeah, but now yeah. you said the words... Um, that it's prepared me. Mm. What do you mean by that? For this, prepared me for this, because this is, it's, it's, I tell you what, what I'm going through now is not for the faint hearted um, in terms of physical pain all day, every day. So, if, like I said, I wouldn't have been able to handle that. And I'm content. So, even if I, in a financial sense, um, it, it's not going good at the moment, but I'm happy. I really am. So again, mm. prepared again. So for everything, it's just been prepared for this moment where I am now. And if I didn't have my wife with me either, you know, number one has also brought me through all of this. Mm, yeah, because you uh, said that uh, in the first interview, you said at the time you did have a partner. She did hang around for a bit, but then she did end up leaving. So, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but still, I don't understand what, I mean, are you saying that th- that pain that you went through um, and also, you know, the loss and the trauma of losing your parents, the two dearest yes. people in your life, because you're an yes. only child with step siblings, uh, as yes. you said in the first interview. Correct. Um, I still don't understand why you're saying it's prepared me for this. That kind of sounds like almost biblical in a way. Yeah, it's, 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 it's that's how I feel. Yeah, I like the wording that you use because, yes, I do feel things truly do happen for a reason. You know, things could get worse. You know, I don't expect things to get worse. Always have the, I always have a positive mindset, hence overcoming every obstacle that comes my way. Um, mm. This is an obstacle. I've, I've conquered it in many ways. I say that people said, doctor said, uh, friends, family said I wouldn't be able to walk again. And I'll prove them wrong. As a quadriplegic, it, it should be impossible to walk again, to take steps. And I, I, I bash that. I bash that boundaries. And I can honestly say that I can walk. Mm. Um, yeah, I can, which is, is pretty yeah. cool. Not right now, not independently. Like, I can't get off my chair and I just take a stroll. But I can walk as as yeah, as yeah as a quadriplegic, which is pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, tell me exactly what you can do. What can you do with your arms, your hands, your body? You know, tell us what you can do. Very, very little. But I'm grateful for what I can do. So I can't get off my bed. Like I can't get up off my bed on my own. Can't get into my chair on my own at the moment. Sometimes if I've got the strength, I can. Um, I need assistance with everything. But we're talking from complete paralysis. So... When I had my accident, lying there, couldn't move. I couldn't move for I don't know, 
was about six, seven weeks, absolutely nothing. And my first movement was my bicep going up. And I was like, okay, here we go. When I did that, I knew. I knew immediately, okay, this is all I needed. This is the only hope that I needed to know that I'm going to make a full recovery. I just wanted to have a slight movement. And that, that slight movement gave me that little bit of hope. And that little bit of hope led me to where I am now. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't do, I can't really do much. I can feed myself. I can just about push my chair. But again, it's small, excuse the pun, it's baby steps. It's small, mm-hmm. little, I call it micro progressions. Mm-hmm. So every day, every week, there's small little things that, that, that just gets better. So, um, yeah, I, I am recovering. It's pretty cool, but it's slow. It is really slow. And um, I have regressed. So if I don't train as consistent as I used to, then I, mm. you, like anyone, you go backwards. But I'm used to that as an athlete. So I understand that principle of if you don't train, you do regress. But you can get back on the carry on going and uh, go past the point where you were at. So mm. I know where I was, you know, in the walking center where I am, and I can't wait to get back into track. I'm training tomorrow, actually, getting back mm. into training finally once again and set my goals already. I've set goals. I've got a, a plan. You know, um, I'm steadfast. I know, I, know, I know where I'm heading. Sorry, I know where I'm headed at. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm talking too fast here, but yeah. No, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not at all. Um, so, and now just um, explain to me um, and also for our listeners, you spoke about um, that that center in Mitchell's Plain um, in Cape yes. Town where, where you ended up going and staying, that sort of rehabilitation center. Just tell us. So, so after you left the hospital, you went to that rehab center. Talk yes. to us about that experience because that was quite a profound experience for you. Yeah, that was really, yeah. Going to, it's called WCRC, which is the Western Cape Rehabilit- Rehabilitation Center. And that was definitely something else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was one of two white guys, even though I am in my family, I'm colored and white, but I was one of two white guys within the whole place. And uh, they're literally like gangsters paradise. They were gangsters there. The guys that were there were stabbed, gunshot, <laughs> and um, yeah, just spoke the lingo and everything. And then there was the nursing side of things and the rehab. So the physio was awesome, the best I can say. Really, mm-hmm. the physio was absolutely incredible. Uh, the nursing was not so pleasant. It was pretty hectic. I'll share a moment, a couple of moments, but I'll share a moment in the mornings, you know, if, for those that don't know. When you go into hospital or when you go into any rehabilitation mm-hmm. center, 5 o'clock in the morning, 5 a.m., you will be woken up. Mm-hmm. They have put on those lights, poof, bright lights, and they're ready coming to give you a good wash and you cannot move. And I mean, it's pretty intense. I've never heard of that. I've never seen of that. I never. I didn't expect any of this. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, okay. And you're like, okay, well, this is happening to me now. Not only me, but three other guys within the room. So I'm sharing a room with three other guys, which are in the same position. We all had these traumatic experiences. And what I found, which um, I'm very outspoken. So what I found is that that's very unfair. You know, we've been through this traumatic experience and now every single morning 
there's this bright light and we get told to wake up, wake up, wake up. It's wash time, wash time, wash time. Whew. <laughs> it's like breakfast at nine o'clock. You have to get into this chair and you're in so much pain and just your mind, you don't know what's really going on. I, I couldn't move, completely paralyzed. So just sitting there, just like got this Shame. this collar around my neck. I call it a dog collar. I have to keep it on for six weeks, which was mm. terrible. Get rolled into the dining hall, and now you're sitting with all of these well, all these people which are in the same position. Some guys can't feel themselves like myself. So I'm sitting there with like looking at the what was that? I had future life, so I had future life in front of me, and I'm thinking to myself, "What do I do? I'm looking. I can't feed myself. Who's going to help me?" And thank goodness for there was a there was a guy that came to help me. It was by the name of Eugene, and he has a paraplegic. And he fed me. He helped me out at times. The nurses didn't really. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't speak bad about it, but it wasn't the greatest at that time. Um, mm. Just the physio is awesome. The interaction with the guys was great. Getting to know the guys, you know, after time, you know, we start chatting because they mm. sit us outside. We're all sitting together, and you're sitting outside, and you know, it starts socializing after a while. Getting to know the guys was awesome. They got to know me and my story. They were blown away. They were like, um, in, you know, in like uh, Mitchell's, not Mitchell, Cape Colored slang is like, nay, my bro, you, you can't be a brainer. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I am actually colored, but I, no, I can't be. And then my well, sisters came and visited me. Just hold on a sec there, because you, you're saying this to me, and I know. But um, so, I mean, for our listeners in 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 America and Australia, and everyone that's listening from all over the world, like, so explain that. So you you've said it in in a because you are, ro- you know, the words are rolling off your tongue. So let's just stop yeah. there. So your your mother was coloured, and your father, if I remember, he's Polish. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes, so, yes, yes. and 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 guys, so I mean, yeah. When you when you know South Africa, there's a huge coloured community in the Cape. So, but that was actually ironic because your mom and dad didn't meet in the Cape, um, Durban. Yeah. in Durban, exactly. But um, yeah, so your mom, your mom, but she, her parents were also coloured, or was one of her parents black or my white? My mother, or? my mother's mother was coloured from South Africa, full on, and my yeah. mother's. My mother's dad was Irish. He was a fisherman. So hence that's why I look the way I do from the male (laughs) genetic side. It's um, the Irish and the Polish male side. Yeah, yeah, so you got all the the, the male chromosomes or I I don't know how that all works. But anyway. Yes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I mean that is – and that's been a story you've had to live with your whole life is that you look completely white – but obviously, growing up in South Africa with all the apartheid systems and all these things, and and you actually you actually spoke about your mom saying the most beautiful thing to you when you were a boy, um, mm-hmm. when you moved schools, if I remember correctly, you were sitting on a bank mm-hmm. and you were overlooking and you were saying, "Okay, now where do I fit in here?" Um, yeah. And who um, am I? <laughs> who am I? Yeah. So tell us about that. So because uh, we'll come back to the rehab center, but this is now okay. where the story comes in of co- uh, your ethnicity and and how this plays a role in your story and your life story mm-hmm. yeah no that is also a very beautiful story as well um my birth i'm a miracle baby i'll get to that as well jen because my my mom had an accident as well when she was young doctor said she could never have a baby or any babies and um, she actually had four 
before me and then she had her tubes tied up and then she when she had met my dad my dad had one uh, wanted a son and so went to the doctors and they had a reverse obtubulization if i'm not mistaken that's what it's called mm, mm. and i was the first successful in south africa reverse obtubulization which they called me a miracle baby which was awesome i was in the magazines front covers or i was really in front covers of magazines when i was born mm. <laughs> so um yeah and then over the years growing up with uh, within a color community as well in Durban in Sydney uh, that's where well, my first living and then we moved to town in Durban and at that time was all apartheid era so it was pretty tough um it was almost like we had to keep it a bit secretive in a way because yeah my dad wasn't allowed it was like illegal to be with a colored person and mm -hmm. then Nelson Mandela came out and then apartheid ended. Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> and then apartheid had finally ended, which was great. And then I was in a private school form. I was in Glenwood Primary, grade one, two, and three. And then I moved over to government school. And that's when I was like, okay, now what's going on type of thing? Because I'm one of, I think it was four or five colored white kids in within that school. Everyone else was non-white. I was chilled with that because I was—I didn't have a problem. But then again, I had no friends, and I don't know where how, are they going to accept me. What are they going to think of me? Um, and yeah, I found my way. Eventually, I found my mm. way. And so yeah, but it's, you it's went communicating. It's all communicating. Communi so communication skills. Um, mm. The way I was brought up, I could communicate with with non-white, which was awesome, which was my my advantage at that time. Um, mm. So I made friends. It wasn't too difficult. I mean, get my way there, and um, yeah. <laughs> but you 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 told me of the story when you went back home to your mom. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I went to my mom because I was very confused. And I remember watching her put on her makeup because she was also fair-skinned. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. She really was. And she was putting on her makeup and like, I'm looking at my in the mirror and I'm like, looking at her. Then I said to you, you know, mom, <laughs> what am I? And she's like, what do you mean, what are you? I'm like, I'm like am I colored? Am I white? What? Like, like really because now i've gotten to the point of like come oh, seriously because now at school i'm being also questioned like because I'm, I'm telling my friends at school that i've got a colored family they just did not believe me like because mm. my dad dropped me off at school so they're like no you're not and i'm like oh my goodness so i asked my mom i'm like and well what's going on here and she said to me my boy you you be what you want to be be what you want to be you know who you are because that's one thing that's been installed within me is you know who you are mark up mm. stand firm don't follow the crowd you know just be who you want to be and my parents always said do what you want but make sure you do the right thing and that's one mm. thing i always did i did i till today very stubborn i do as i want but make the right choice you mm. know mm. So, yeah, from that day, I thought, yeah, okay, I'm colored. I'm Marco Petrowski. If you don't like it, if you don't accept it, if you don't believe me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know I'm, being, I'm honest. <laughs>
<laughs> but um uh, and also what I found funny because I actually made a joke about it and um uh we were talking about in this context and I said it's it we were talking about something I don't know maybe politically as well um but you were saying that it, you actually do sometimes say you're colored and sometimes you say you're white depending you know because in South Africa every Depends. form you fill out yeah, every form you fill out here, I'm a, and I was telling you, my husband's like so shocked by this, but every form you fill out, whether you're buying a car, where you're putting your kids in school, where you go to the dentist, the question is, what's your skin color? It's so, my husband was always shocked by the fact that he sees this now since we've been in South Africa. And I said to you, so, you know, like, you probably, you know, one one time you say, you know, colored, one time white. But Depends. Yeah, whatever I think it will be beneficial. <laughs> and if they believe me or not, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so now you were, you know, you're back in this, um, uh, in the rehabilitation center. And, well, you spoke about the connections. And also you talk, you mentioned just now also how communication is so important. And it was obviously when you were able to start you know, connecting with the people around you and really sharing human experiences and, and I guess touching each other's hearts. That's when it shifted for you there. Oh yeah. And, and, and also not being able to use my phone, not being able to actually get onto social media and not, not, you know, respond to messages and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. It was really, really, really awesome. I, I won't lie. As much as I wanted to get onto it and I wanted to chat to people and communicate and, you know, do the whole Facebook thing and, and to emails and phone people. And because I couldn't, because I was paralyzed, mm -hmm. I had time to myself for so long. Um, it, uh, it was cool for a while. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, also then, you know, with, with, with your, uh, you 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 said it also earlier that a lot of those guys were also gangster guys, you know. But you you actually mm. the funny thing is is when you're in in the center and you're all now suddenly dealing with the same hardship, it, those kinds of things fall away. I can imagine. Uh, everything falls away. He just stories, you know, sitting together again and just again that's that connection. You want to just hear. So what happened to you? So what you're about? What's your family like? And just sharing and chatting to one another. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Again, I, in, yes, I knew they were all gangsters, and we think we all have the stereotype of these, these hardcore gangsters, but they're actually, yeah, they're human at the end of the day. It's just an upbringing. We can't, we can't help who we are. You know, mm. again, that's something I've, I've learned is to never, ever, ever judge someone. You know, what they look like, what they've been through. You just have to, again, communicate, have a bit of a chat like we do. Mm. You just have a chat, get to know what people are about, and like, wow, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. We all have a story by right. Every single person has a story, not only myself. I think my story is just my story. I mean, you've got a story. We've all got a story. Everyone's got a story. If everyone just shares it, you know, we'll all be inspired by one another. But everyone's just, yeah, keeping to themselves, becoming selfish and, yeah, egotistical, praising everything that they're doing, not asking, what are you doing? How are mm. you? You know, it's, mm. it's all about me, me, me. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. This is what I'm about. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> 
It's funny, you're right. Uh, I mean, I, I went to a birthday party the other day for my daughter, and uh, I struggled to go to any kind of event where you can't really connect with people. Um, and, uh, you know, I came back and I think I said to my mom, you know, I just, I don't know, I need to also find my groove. You know, I'm, I'm new back in Joburg and also just really connect with, you know, find my little group, which it's funny when you're in your four, early 40s now, you know, you've, you've got your friends scattered all over the world. And, you know, to really uh, establish new friendships at this stage of your life or at a later stage of your life, and actually we'll go into that with you, um, you know, it's 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 a whole different ball game. you know, to, if you stay just living in the same place forever or um, obviously if you move early on your life, you're still, you know, able to meet new groups and that sort of thing. But COVID hasn't helped mm. that either, let's be honest. Mm. But, you know, just yeah. being able to have a real conversation with people and just, mm. you know, I don't know, I, I find people, you're right. I, I was actually surprised at this little birthday party. Like people don't want to know who you are. Like yeah. they don't ask yeah. you who, and, uh. and it's, uh, I mean, I guess that comes naturally to me because this is what I do, but I do this because it, it's not that I do this. I don't ask you about you because this is what I do. I do You've this. You've got a passion for speaking. Exactly, because I ask, I like asking people, so that's why I do this, you know. Socializing, but, yes. Yeah, but I mean, tell, you know, you, you, you spoke about that in our first conversation, which, which was very heartbreaking for you as well, is how you actually lost all your friends when this accident yeah. happened. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, 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 yes. Um, again, things happen for a reason. I knew, still know, a heck load of people, like really a lot of people, so much that I can't even remember names and faces to the point. Mm -hmm. um, but to people to call the actual friend, whew, wow, th I'm 36 years old now. And to, uh, uh, yeah, the definition of a friend is very, I don't know at times. My wife is my best friend. You know, that she, I can say, is absolutely my absolute rock. I can speak to her about anything. She, I know she won't repeat to anyone else. Mm. Um, she, I know she won't leave me more. I know for a fact she will not leave me. That's, trust me, I know my, my wife. <laughs> Whereas other people, wow, I mean, I've been disabled from, I would never have thought... They would have walked away, not spoke to me anymore, don't respond to messages. It's crazy, I know, you know. Maybe it's because I can't interact, I can't like go out with them and do the physical things that they do. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I do have great friends now that understand my disability. See, that's the thing. If you have an understanding, then then things are right. Um, and don't expect people to understand. You know, mm. if people want to know, they'll ask. People don't want to know, they won't be around. So those that are around, which I've learned that actually do make the effort um, to come and say, how's the market to my house? It's, it's, it's an understanding. That's what you call an understanding. And if I mm. say I can't make it to an event or to <clears> a <throat> brow birthday thing, there needs to be an understanding where some people don't get it. They're like, oh, jeez, you know. It just, just can't come. No. Um, a disability is, is hard. It's hard to live with because you are sick in a way kind of a lot of the time. Um, I've got injuries that are, are, are constantly giving me problems every day. So, again, it boils down to understanding. 
Yeah. Always. Communication so, and understanding. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us now, just give us that sort of, um, if you can see it in sort of a synopsis and a, a, a sort of a little circle, just tell us in point form what happened from, so you were in Cape Town when you had the accident. Just tell us in point form then the steps that happened that got you, that, why you left Cape Town and now why you're back in Cape Town. Okay. So I had my accident in Cape Town. Very tragic. And then off the accident, went to rehab. From rehab, uh, moved into a house with my former fiance, and um, things got very, very tough then, because we didn't know the understanding of disability and so forth. Then I moved over to my to Johannesburg. Plan was to get into rehab there, look for rehab there, um, because we just want myself to get, you know, to recover, to see what's going on, to again not knowing what's really happening. And got into rehab in Johannesburg. Was in rehab there for two months. Um, then two weeks uh, before I had to leave, two weeks before I had to leave, we were supposed to have a family meeting. Uh, we did have a family Unfortunately, no one had arrived to that family meeting. So at that point, I realized that I was on my own. Um, my fiance at the time had left me at that point. So it's two weeks to leave the rehab. And I don't know what I was going to do. No clue. Absolutely no clue. That uh, those dark, dark days. Those two days were the darkest days I had at that time. It was just really hectic. But I managed to pull myself out of it, you know. Except mm. the fact and that that's because everything you, was on me. You were in rehab. You yeah. were going to get out. And the, the idea to have this family meeting was? To see what with the future to say okay Marcus well am I going to live with my sister well which was to where am I going which house what's the plan you know what, what is the plan moving forward and yeah, with no one coming through I was like wow so I guess not, never mind there's no plan there's no one um, and yeah just a friend from Jans, from Durban a friend of mine had mailed me and said just Come back home, come to Durban. Of all places, I thought, wow, Durban, I, I would feel safest because I know a lot of people in Durban. Like mm. I call real friends in Durban. Mm, so that's where you're That's where you're from. Yes, 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 mm. yes, yes. That's for sure. And a lot of people. So I went, went back to Durban, jumped on a plane from rehab literally that same day, that very same day, jumped onto airplane and went to a friend of mine. And moved into my own flat a day later. So within three days, I was in my own apartment uh, on North Beach, where I was literally brought up. That's where I used to stay as well. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so tell me, and a question. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. And a question I can imagine what people are thinking is: so everyone left you, uh, basically stranded. Um, and um, it's funny, I like how you use the term, I jumped on the aeroplane, by the way. It's just to be facetious there. But I mean, I jumped on the aeroplane. I'm like, no, you I didn't like, jump on the aeroplane. I rolled on. <laughs> you bloody rolled on, yeah. Rolled no, on so... with two bags of clothes, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so how are you affording all of this? Just, you know, fill us in there yeah. of what happened. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not sure. working. Everyone's left you. And yeah. how can you afford to just... Yeah roll onto the airplane you know yeah okay so in rehab at that time uh 
when the two weeks was happening, I had to shuffle up and now what am I doing? What am I doing? So I was lying there thinking, thinking, planning, planning, planning. So I'd made a phone call to um, to the driver, to the driver's um, parents and said, you know, this is the situation. And then they'd give me a bit of cash to help me out. And they actually paid for the plane ticket to go to Durban. So that's how I managed to get to Durban with a little bit of funds to get the apartment while well, the first month, two months of rent. And then I was lending money off of the my attorney. So I was getting paid, well, I had been paid from the road accident fund from RAF. And um, I was obviously lending money from him up until the point where I had to get paid out. So when I got paid out, I just obviously paid him back. And because mm. I knew, he knew, I knew we were, that I was going to get those funds. Mm. So I was just, it was a hope and faith, really. Like he was lending me money and I was just going by faith and hoping that everything yeah. would just work out. Really, yeah. really just by faith, by God, knowing that things will work out. That's mm. living by faith. That's really, mm. I, honestly, till today, I still, we still, we live by faith, knowing, just live a day at a time. Don't live yeah. from the past and don't live about the future too much. Just live about the present. Live right now. Yeah. 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 So you were, if I remember, you said that you were in Durban for, I think, just about a year. And then you got a phone call. Nine months. Nine months. Yeah. Yes. I was there for nine months and a message on Facebook. Yes, I received a message um, from Claudia, just a Facebook friend. And she had said, come, come back to Cape Town. So mm. I was like, well, let me, Okay. That's an option. So I was like, okay, maybe I should go back to Cape Town, you know, because I'm not, I'm not getting the results I wanted. I'm very adamant about walking, you know, and I wasn't getting to that point. I just, I wasn't progressing, and I wanted to progress. So I thought, oh well, let's do it. Let's go back to. I love Cape Town. I mean, so I went, flew over, yeah, rolled onto a plane, <laughs> rolled on, jumped. Rolled and then jumped onto the plane, went back to Courageously Cape Town or, so, right? With with courageously. hope. With again, hope and, and purpose absolutely. and vision. Absolutely. Again, two bags of clothing and a wheelchair and just went off. And stayed with Claudia and Mark. Um, awesome couple, absolutely amazing people. So blessed that they they that they reached out for me. And I stayed with them for about three months, if I'm not mistaken, and then I got my own place. Again. You know, doing all of these things, it's just by faith, but just I'm I'm not scared because I know things will work out. Mm. And then um gotten my own uh, little spot with the carer, full time carer. She stayed with me twenty four seven. And then I met my absolutely incredible wife that I never never thought would would be. Um mm. yeah. So And so, how did you meet so, her? So uh, my little one, called my little one. I'd actually I'd known her sister on Facebook formerly, and um, her sister actually sent me a message and said, "You know, you should maybe meet my sister." So I looked, I went onto Facebook and took a look at a picture of her sister, and when I saw her, and this is the God's honest truth, I saw a picture, and I just I went off the picture, and I thought I don't I don't want to look again. So then my sister said, so what do you think? You know? <laughs> and I said, well, I think she's married, number one. And I think I'm not going to look again because I'm actually going to, I said to her, it's even in the messages I showed her, I, I said, I'm going to fall in love. If I see her, I think if I meet her, I'm going to fall. I'm scared to fall in love with her. 
those were my words. Mm. And then um, and why time were you went scared? by. It wasn't really a fear. It's just when I looked at the image, when I saw the photo, I was just like, something just drew me back. It was like, as if not now. And it was like God saying, not now, type of thing. I didn't know that was the meaning. Just something was like, mm, mm. not yeah. now. Yeah. And then a couple of months went by, nine months ago, just over a year and a bit went by. Mm. And then Lyndall had popped me a message just saying, Marco. And I was like, that's me. <laughs> straight to the point mm. and then I said to you know I want to meet you in person like I don't want to do this whole chatting chatting on Facebook type thing she lives in mm. Cape Town she's not too far so I said I want to pick you up and she was like okay cool and she was like how are you going to pick me up you know, <laughs> you know I'm disabled so I was like no I've got a car my nephew I don't drive but my nephew's over from Johannesburg so we'll come and pick you up so I said like okay cool and then Went off to go and pick her up. She didn't, like Lyndall still explains, till today she's like, she didn't know what to expect. She thought mm. maybe it's a little skodong car. She's like, no offense, no offense, but I thought it's little cars coming I mean, like, to pick up. <laughs> and yeah, at the time I was, I was really lucky, really lucky. I had gotten a beautiful car, a mm. beautiful black Audi A5, and I yeah. pimped it out, <laughs> really pimped it yeah. up. And then they came around the corner, doof, doof, doof. And Lyndall said she didn't expect that. She thought, this, who is this type of gangster coming, stopping yeah. in front of me, and then there was me, type thing, in the passenger seat. She's like, oh, okay. So she had her glasses on, and we didn't, I had my glasses on. I had, like, no intention of really anything. Mm. And she came over to my place, long story short, at the bra, she was chatting to a friend of mine, and I was just what like looking at her, watching her chatting to my friend, and she turned around and looked at me, and I was like, "Oh," because then it was an eye contact, and then it was a a double take immediately, you know, mm. take two, and I saw it do that. I was like, "Ah, now I know what that means." <laughs> and then it was just a <laughs> grin and a smile, uh, you know, most likely, definitely love at first sight type of thing when yeah. we actually looked at one another it was like whoa, mm -hmm. whoa 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 and mm -hmm. it's like we gravitated to one another and yeah we just started and we literally have not left one another's side since then no we have we left uh, no we haven't had one night apart even in the hospital she wouldn't leave me yeah i've been in the hospital a couple times and just she'd sleep next to me um she's always by my side even if she leaves me for a couple of hours like for work, I, I think mm. she's around now. But if she leaves for a couple of hours, she still phones to make sure, are you okay? And you know, checks yeah. up with my carers, is he okay? Which is, which is what I need and which is awesome. And that's what you call real true love. What we go through is, wow, it's a whole mm. other story of its own, it's a whole mm. other podcast. Mm. <laughs> as an interable well, well, couple, as we called. Yeah, but tell me about that. Let's go into that. Talk to us about... What like educate us on that? I mean, and and feel free to educate us also because I, I I have to be honest. Like I do mm. question the whole. You don't have to go into the gory details, and and yeah, you don't yeah. have to go into anything if you don't want to. But I do also yeah. question how does the whole sexual thing work, right? Like how does all of this work? And 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 yeah. you know the fact that you talk about you can't. Um, you can't get out your bed on your own. And, you know, this mm. is hardcore, you know, stuff to 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 be committed to. 
very much so. And especially if you had to see my wife a meter, she's only one and a half meter. She's tiny. She's like yeah. the heart of when I'm sitting in my chair. And I'm mm. six foot. I'm a big guy. And so I'm a really big guy. Um, yeah. And she picks me up. She helps me get off, off the bed. Gets me out of the car. Picks me up herself. Um, she helps me with absolutely everything. So if my car, if my carers aren't around, uh, then she she would, with literally everything, every single thing, cleaning me up, feeding me. If if I can't, if I if I'm not by my desk, because my you can see here has very very minimal function. I, yeah, mm-hmm. if I can't do something, people need to do it for me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's taking on a whole. A whole nother role. It really is stressful, and because I'm unemployed, I'm still well. I've got my website, trying to run my own business, uh, speaking and so forth. But she takes a whole lot of pressure on herself. Um, she's working three jobs at the moment, um, mm-hmm. just to get us by. You know, just to keep what we've got to have a house. I've got three dogs, so because of my dogs, we we trying to keep a house to keep the dogs. Um, we can easily live in an apartment, but because again the love of pets, the love of animals, we don't want to let them go. So yeah, yeah it's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of commitment. But we do it together, you know. I support her emotionally with my love and as much as I can. Um, it's a difficult for myself as a man as well, because I can't do the things like I want to do as a partner. It's it's very frustrating at times. Um, mentally and emotionally, but I'm I'm strong-minded, so I can I'm very capable of doing things mentally. So mm. I can instruct people, I can mm. give advice, I can I can tell her or I can tell other people how we can do things. And I've learned that through leadership, uh, sorry, leadership skills from many many years, and mm. um, also especially. I'm with Toastmasters now, learning leadership skills. It's all about communication skills. Again, how you speak to people, how to get things done. So if I can't do it myself physically, I can communicate with people to 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 get to try and make things, you know, a lot easier mm. for our surroundings. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and do do you want to share with us what it like? Uh, can I be blunt? Straight up. 100%. Okay, cool. So, yeah. I mean, so sexually, yes. like that muscle works. That all works, right? Yeah, it works. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> um, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm blessed with that side of things. And obviously, to, to, to assist more, just like any other guy, you just take um, a performance enhancers, mm. taking Viagra, simple as that. Yeah. Mm. So, no, 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 definitely. That's one thing that does work. <laughs> well, yeah. And tell me how. So I'm curious about this because, I mean, yeah. and 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 yes, I might actually. It's Lindell, right? Correct. Yeah. So I might. I might yes. get her. You. 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 Anyway, I'm. I'm. I'll. I'll chat to you after this of of yeah, getting. We had, and finding we, out. We, were on a, we actually did a SABC two interview about disability and sexuality. So oh, yeah, really? we very. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We did it as a couple, so we're very much open to anything <laughs> being open about it exactly i mean oh, yeah, th- that's yeah. like the best thing i just find being open about things is just like i don't why know not? Free- uh, that's my freeing. thing it's like why yeah. not exactly yeah it's liberating. And, and then, it really is <laughs> yeah exactly and then you know who do just 
screw what everyone else thinks also, right? Because, you know, no. they, whatever they think, no one, you know, there we are, care. There are those that want to hear it as well. So, yeah. Mm, mm. <laughs> so, I mean, like what what do you think makes – your relationship actually more special because of the situation you're in, sexually as well. Hmm, more special, um, I think it's real love again. It boils down to love and understanding, communication. It really does. Yeah, in the in the sexual aspect, I mean, pff, I'm I'm a guy at the end of the day, so I had 28 years of yeah being proper sexually <laughs> active. <laughs> So, I mean, I've got a lot of experience. So, I'm, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's easy for me. I'm I'm confident. You know, I think that's what it is. It's confidence. I'm extremely confident, you know. Mm. If if you didn't even have the now, time, but you have the confidence. Now, that's yeah. you. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you move your arms and, you, you know, everyone listening now, guys, you can obviously always check this out on the YouTube channel if you want, you know. But, I mean, really, you've got to – you can visualize everything we're saying. But – um. You know, you, you show moving your arms and how that moves really slowly. But, you know, men are, you know, they are more ego driven and more masculine. And it's about it's it's always been about, you know, even the birds. Look at the peacock. I mean, they got to fluff up their beautiful feathers. I'm always amazed 100%. that the peacock's more beautiful anyway. I mean, that's just, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, so so it's always about sort of, you know, puffing out and, and, and mm. showing that you're you're the guy. Um, so. Yeah. Um, how does that sort of play into your confidence? Because you talk about being confident and you are a beautiful looking man, ah, you know, so, you know, and, and I think, so you have been a model or not? Yes, 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 yes. I've modeled for many years. That was my profession. Um, not in terms of like your fashion model, um, fitness modeling. So mm. I've, I've been endorsed by many companies. Even right now, I'm sponsored by USN. So... Yeah, nothing has stopped from then. My yeah, income yeah. stream was mainly through through adverts, through sponsorships, through endorsements, mm. through stuff like that. And um, but it just felt not being very full of myself, but it fell into my lap, and it's been a passion. So if I trip training and the way I look, you know, gets me an income stream, by all means, cool. You know, that's the way it mm. is. Mm. So yeah. I'm very but confident, I mean, how, but yeah, it's natural. It really is natural. Yeah, but how did this not affect your confidence? Like you talk about, I'm very confident, which is so mm. beautiful, because mm. that it's like it's yours. You own it, and yeah. and not even this yeah. accident and the disability, no. or you know, yeah. I, and I actually don't even like saying that word disability because yeah. it goes yeah. against me. Because I always yeah. am also someone who sees everything. As okay, why is this happening? Let's find the reason. Because then I would never look at it as the. Do you know what I mean? Because if you focus on it being the disability, we, then that we will always abled. disable. We're differently abled. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. all it is. We're just differently able. You know. Also, I found that going into because it is a community, it's a disabled community, and having the confidence that I had then, very and still am, I found myself going into going into the disabled community and meeting the people in wheelchairs, I still have the confidence, had it then. And when I, I was around, I was like, hey, guys, I'd, I'd introduce myself and I'd ask people, how are you? What's your name? What happened to you? And they're not used to that. So I found mm -hmm. that people with disabilities aren't confident at all, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't have the confidence before their disability, phew, 
I can only mm. imagine how much worse it is. Because mm. yes, I I won't lie, we do get looked at differently. Only mm. because people don't understand, you know. It, because you're in a wheelchair, it doesn't mean you're sick and you, you can't do anything or, you know, people veer away sometimes, like walk around me and it's like, <laughs> I don't have a, I'm not infectious or anything. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. It really is different. But why, different why are you down. confident? Why are you confident and, you, and others aren't? <laughs> I, I mean, know. then that's, then, <laughs> you know, while I'm asking the question, my brain is saying, well, it's just because you always were. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, yeah. and the people that weren't always weren't. And that's the thing. Yeah, it's just, you, uh, yeah, that's the thing we, we all of us need to realize. It's just, if you know who you are, again, I knew who I was. My mom taught me. It's my whole upbringing. It's changing schools and uh, different friends and meeting different people. It's, I knew who I was. So if you know who you are as a person, then you should be confident naturally. Surely, I think, mm. in, in my opinion, because that's the way mm. I feel. I mean, mm. I know who I am. I don't need to prove myself. I don't need to try and be someone else or, or, or look like someone else. No, there's no need. Yeah. If people who know me personally, like my friends that know me personally, know, yeah, Marco's very straight up. He is who he is. You'll never be, you'll never follow the crowd. So don't try to convince him to do others. If you try to make me do something, I'm definitely not going to do it. So, mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and now, I mean, in, in the breath of confidence and previously mm. now it, when we were talking about sexuality and then previously mm. before that you spoke about your, you know, your little dynamite, Lyndall, mm. uh, being the one to pick you up and, and help you around. Yeah. Um, you spoke about also her cleaning you. Like, surely there... Yeah there comes in an, an encroachment into an area that you don't want her to be helping in. Mm. Like, does that not break you down or affect you in a way? Uh, it's all, it all boils down to acceptance. So the communication in the very beginning, I said to her, like, there's things that are pretty hectic that I need your help with. And like, I may be embarrassed to ask you, but uh, like, can you do this? Could you please do this for me? Because I can't. And like she'd be, she'd stay over. She was, she was staying over from the very beginning. And if I didn't have a care around, I need something to be done. She's the only one there. She needs to do it. So I knew if if she wouldn't, if she didn't love me or she didn't accept me the way she does, then she wouldn't be able to do this. Then she's mm -hmm. not the one. Then she can't. She can't. Unfortunately be the one for me she can't be my partner which is very difficult but she accepted from day one you know anything i asked of her i was like this love you know this is going to be a bit hectic but could you do this could you do that and she's like yeah straight up mm -hmm. yeah what how do i do it so all she all it is is all she wants to know is how do i do it tell me how and i know all the ins and outs of how and um I'll, i am also catheterized so i've got a catheter right now that goes like directly straight into my bladder mm -hmm. and um, she changes it every oh, look it gets blocked up we never know when it gets blocked up and she is the one that changes it and it's 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 it is a medical procedure you know a lot of people go to hospital first go to a doctor mm -hmm. to get this done but we've been to hospital and doctors so many times to to the point where she knows exactly how to do it and i trust mm -hmm. her fully to do it 
at home. Mm. So that's just one of many things that's, that's it's intense. So when we do that and we go through something like that, we, 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 we rely on one another. We have a small prayer before we do it because it is scary. And yeah, we just go forward by faith, get it yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously I can ask, you know, like how, you know, what about her? Cause you know, you say she's got the three jobs and you know, she's, mm. she's got a lot of pressure on her as well. Financially, mm. we all know mm. what that kind of pressure can put on a relationship. Mm. Um, so I think I'll save those questions for when I have a chat with her on the show. Cause I think it's really, yeah, you know, it's it. Those are kind of questions I'd rather ask her directly. But yeah, I um, love for that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, just share with us quickly how your parents met because it's it's playing in my mind. And and actually, ironically, when we first had our first interview, the electricity cut, um, and yes. then we had to pick it up again. But you were just yes. in the middle of sharing. Uh, you know, I, I was so I love I love these stories of how people come together. Yeah. Just share how a coloured mother from South Africa yeah. comes together with a Polish man from Poland. <laughs> so yeah, so my dad um, got from Poland to Chicago, from Chicago to Durban. Remember, I told you that little story, and then he was crossing roads. So it's actually literally crossing roads in Durban. My dad stopped my mom in the middle of the street and asked her she was with her sister and asked her for directions been very broken if english at all where's a hotel and um my mom was pretty hesitant to respond you know my mom's sister's like no you know tell him just tell him tell him and she was like no and then my dad this is the true story well this was what i was told and i heard mm. many times and my dad very stubbornly didn't want to like not let her go in a way she wanted to know so she said like I don't know pointed or directed him somewhere and he was like can you show me like come with <laughs> so mm. they went along and they were at the bar I think they had a drink or two just chatting a bit but obviously it, my mom was married at the time so mm. it's just a communication just chatting a little bit and, and um yeah, then two years later, my dad was adamant to, you know, to meet my mother and to get to know who she is. And then my mom was at some so she had obviously broken it off. And then my dad still was adamant to get with my mom. And she was like, no, 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 no. And yeah, they, they, yeah, there was true love there. And they got together, which wasn't allowed again in the party times. That was 90, that was in 1983. And um, yeah, I was born in 1985. And yeah, where, where do we, yeah, where do we go from there? Mm. Yeah, that was. But your dad was, and yeah. your dad had come over because of the war. To explain how your dad came over. So he had left Poland. I don't know the real details. All I do know is there was a political issue, so he had to leave mm. it, Poland. So he had left Poland. And um, he left, actually, he had a wife and a son there as well. So I've got a brother that side, Pavel, which I've found over Facebook. Amazingly, wow. that, thanks to technology. Wow. I, also, that's a big wow. So I found him a good couple of years ago. Yeah. And, um, yeah, my dad was a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. He even has a story of his own on how he got here um, to South Africa. But I yeah, I wish he was alive to to tell that part. Yeah, mm. yeah, 
Well, now, now you're making me curious. Can you just tell me something of it? Oh. Sorry, Lena. It's okay. Um, sorry, what was that, Jen? Sorry? No, I'm saying you're making me curious. Just give me a synopsis of that, of that story. Of how my dad got dad? to South Africa. Yeah. I mean, he's not here to South. tell us, so. Yeah, he's not here to tell us. Well, um, So he was in. The, he was married, like I say, and he had a son. And um, my my dad's my dad's sister's husband was a was a cop, and he told my dad that you know he needs to flee. He needs to leave because he's he's going to get locked up. They're gonna you know they're gonna come and arrest him. So he fled, took his skis, went for the mountains, and he jetted off. Somehow I don't know how he he landed up in Chicago. He met a Jewish guy there, and uh, the Jewish guy said to him that the best place for him to go, which he suggests, is South Africa. Cape Town, mm. actually. Um, he said, go to Cape Town in South Africa. So he came not to Cape Town. He came to South Africa, landed up in Durban, and mm. um, loved the, the, the climate there. He did come to Cape Town for a while. He didn't live here, but he still was too windy. I still remember him saying that the whole wind thing. Mm. So he rather do Durban and obviously my mom. So yeah, he stayed and put his roots down in Durban, and mm. he became a diesel Mac there. And he even injured his back. He just look not to say, he fractured his back. He his T spine. So doctor said to him that he's not going to walk again. But he was very very adamant, very stubborn, very very stubborn man, and strong like an ox, real Polish blood, and he recovered in hospital. So, he was actually how did he injure his back? So, being a diesel mechanic, he was working with all of engine and stuff like that, and mm. the 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 engine was on what's called um, a heist. I think it's called a heist, mm. and it actually had slipped. So, being a man, I don't know, he tried to kind of put his arm out and catch it in a way. And that's when he injured his back. So even at full disability cover, he was he was um, classified disabled as well. Mm. Amazingly, so wow. my mom and my dad both went through tragic accidents that um, left them in positions of pain and suffering throughout their life. And here I am. So again, it's like again I say I've been prepared for this in a very strange way. What happened very with your mom? Way. When she was younger, she was knocked by a bus. Um, she was dragged 10 meters. So her side, like I remember seeing her side was just a huge scar, just this just wow. um, scar tissue. It was pretty hectic. So my mother, she suffered with chronic pain and um, yeah, chronic pain and anxiety, depression as well. So yeah, my mom because went of that through accident. a rough time. Well, accident and Things that she had went through through her life as well, mm. which wasn't mm. easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I mean, story. all these, all yeah, all these, all these things that you you know you talk about, and I mean, here you are. You've spoken about being now a member in Toastmasters, and um, you've got your website mm. going, and you you know you're wanting to do more talks on that through that. Um, like. Why do you think you're here? You know, I always ask myself this question as well. Like, why, why am I here now? What am I doing now? You know, what's my, what's, my why purpose. is Jim here? Why is Marco here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, through all this, I guess, 
you know, all the stories that I've told you briefly now um, is are, are my last stories. And the people that I tell my stories, uh, which is the truth, they get really inspired. And I see that they they change their minds. They change their habits. And, you know, I guess that's my purpose. People always thank me for for things. I don't even know what I've really done. Like speaking to you, I speak to people just exactly the same way that I'm speaking to you. And um, if if I inspire them, which I find, which is some of the time, most of the time, well, then that's really awesome because I'm just being me, you know. Mm. And, um, yeah, <laughs> just be real, be authentic, be yourself, which a lot of people find very difficult to do nowadays. So, yeah. No, I know that's true. But to really, like, yeah. dig into that question, I mean, so do you think that that's why you're here is to inspire people? Or do you Definitely. think that's why we're all here? Or do you think it's just, it's just, it's what you ever, it's what you choose, you know, it's, well, it's, it's at the end of the day. Well, in just- my, in my journey, I mean, I've never in my life would have thought I've been disabled. So I think to change people's perspective of life, actually, because I was big and strong, like I tell people, I was big and strong. I was white, I was colored and now I'm, now I'm disabled. So it's like. So you've been yeah. everything. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty diverse. I mean, I've been there, done that. Got the T-shirt, got got the old tracksuit, everything. You know what else? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, even even being, yeah. I was blessed enough when I got paid out to say that I had quite a lot of money, so I can say I was wealthy as well, and I was poor as well. And yeah, mm. right now we're just making it, so I'm I'm blessed to be just we alive, you know. So I've been mm. there. I've learned so many lessons again. So, and I'm I'm, I'm happy. I'm in love. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm married to a beautiful woman. So I think I got things right. <laughs> I yeah. definitely financially, I'm not a numbers guy. So I yeah. hit that one. I got that one wrong, but I, I'm still young. Surely I think at my age, now 36, I'll get the financial part right at some stage. <laughs> everything else right. I just need to get the numbers right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say while you were talking, when you said I'm alive, uh, my, my, my sort of jerk comment I wanted to say then was alive and in love. And then you yes. then a few sentences later said and in love. So, you know, ali- I, think, I think to be alive and in love is in itself – the best success story of life, right? One hundred percent, nail on the head, definitely, 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 definitely. And that, the rest then you'll, of it, have, you'll be happy. Then you'll be yeah, happy. Yeah, because yeah. the rest of that shit, and let's call it shit, right? Because all that money and it's all a bunch of shit. I mean, Lots I know you know they, they have. Yeah, yeah, it's all the material stuff, and um, you know, and. Um, you know, like also now being in Joburg, you know, houses in Holland, like, okay, we do have a, by 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 standard, you know, we actually have a, quite a big house in Holland. But now moving back to Joburg, you know, we we didn't know what our plan was. Um, we found something, it's, it's like an old farmhouse in the middle of, mm. you know, Santon, which is just beautiful, but mm. it's not as massive as some of the other school parents' houses, right? So, you know, sometimes I think, well, shouldn't we, like, go bigger? You know, Mm -hmm. everyone else, they go, you know, their houses are all in these estates. And both my husband and I, we went to look in these estates and we were like, we were both like, okay, we cringe when we leave them because we were like, then you're like, you're you're labeled by living in these estates. And I don't, you know, 
I don't need to carry a gun with me in Joburg like a lot of people, you know, not not everyone. Some people have a gun with them, but, you know, I don't need that. And I don't want to live like that, you know. And, um, but yeah. it's this whole like in society, everything is is bigger. And and yesterday we actually just sort of signed off for this little Jimny car. Okay, now yes. if anyone that knows a Jimny, they're the cutest mm-hmm. little Suzukis, and I love Suzukis. I even love the name. It's like cheeky Suzuki. <laughs> you know, it's a cool name. I'm not really a Ford person or a Honda person. I like Suzuki. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, I grew up with my dad with BMWs and all these things, but um. Where I'm at now as an adult and, you know, reflecting on the money thing and we're talking about this now and, and what's success in life and, you know, and I said to my husband, no, we're going to get the Suzuki because it's like it's a four by four, first of all. So that's important to me because I grew up in the bush. So now we can go bundu bashing, as we call it here in South <laughs> Africa, you know, and our little four by four Suzuki. And because there's not a hell of a lot of space to throw, you know, bags in. You know, that's cool. So it's now we traveling light. So it's a lifestyle choice. You know, yeah. we're not going to get what everyone has, these big yes. vans, yes. but we're going to go small, but still four by four so we can get up, you know, these, <laughs> these yeah. you know, difficult, you know, bundu bashes in the, you know, in the bush. Um, but, you know, I just said, no, we like our house. It's, we love culture. We love cooking together. Yes. Let's. And it's about always constantly having to remind yourself, hold in a sec. Yes, everyone is getting bigger and, you know, and, and, and better. And, you know, cars are getting more comfortable now. Everything's getting more comfortable, more easier, mm. more, expensive. more accessible, more expensive. <laughs> exactly. No, you're right. Um, you know, let's just try and keep, keep bringing back Basic. to what's important to us. Yeah. And what's important to us. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. Definitely. Like so, everyone says, keep it minimalistic, and that's the new phrase, the new term, the new trend that's going around. And mm. so very, very true. Just keep it simple, really. Um, yeah, the, the future where we're going at is just technology. As long as you have the latest in tech and you have a good Wi-Fi, <laughs> you know, you have a good Wi-Fi, then, then you're good. Then you're good. <laughs> mm. Mm. So um, where where is Marco like where you're sitting today now, like how are you seeing hope for your future? Um, you've expressed your gratitude for being alive and in love, but like we all need those little cherries that we can see in the tree so we can reach up and pick them, right? So what mm. what are your cherries? Oh, for the future. So, yeah, I've got great plans. Um, I'm helping out Gaza. You know, I've made it. Like I've said, I've, I feel that I've made my, I'm sorry, mate. I reached the pinnacle of my career and what I want to do. So I've set out my website. I want to help out others. I've competed twice as a wheelchair bodybuilder, and I've realized it's very, very difficult as a quadriplegic. So I've stepped back now on the competing side, and I'm helping now at those that can do it. So I've mm-hmm. got an awesome guy. Actually, his name's Max, um, and he's a, a, a paraplegic, and um, he's unemployed. He's a single dad of three, the youngest being 14 months. And I've got so much respect for this guy. He loves bodybuilding. And um, yeah, he's been making the news headlines lately. And I've reached out to him saying that I want to be his coach. And he's, you know, he's very, very grateful for that. And yeah, well, now we're working together officially for next year. He's going to Slovenia for world champs as a wheelchair bodybuilder. Wow. I mean, that's, again, you know, that's my goal. You know, like I said before, my goal is just, 
I just want to go overseas, man. I've never traveled. I've never even. <laughs> I've never left the country. I just want to go overseas. That that's why I competed, so that yes. I can freaking go overseas. That, that's why you had the accidents <laughs> is because you wanted that 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 re- reaffirmation. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm, I've even since then I've been helping others to go overseas, and I've watched them. Even I've sponsored. I sponsored an athlete in 2018. I've helped her out to to go to Spain to world champs, you know, how much I know what it feels like to have that drive to compete, to want someone to help you, just someone to say, you know, we're going to help you out. We'll support you. We'll get you there. We'll help you. So I'm being that person. If I can be that person, not financially, but on the information side, you know, just to give him all the advice that he needs, then by mm. all means, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to give him like what all the things that I've learned, which is from the top guys, top athletes, the information, the information that I have is very valuable. So I'm passing it over to, to, yeah, to Max, you know, and to guys that want to reach out to me as well. Um, yeah, Max, I'm helping out for free, but yeah, I'll obviously have a cost for, for yeah. anyone else because I need to make an income in some odd way. Yes. So that hence on my website, um, you'll see there, there's, there's many options of, donating buying products um by me speaking doing a talk um doing one-on-one sessions coaching sessions so Mm. yeah Mm. and on a practical level how will you get to the gym like how does that look like on a practical level because you can't get yourself out of bed yeah i've got i've got garage so i'm building up my own little gym in the garage um i've teamed up with you bench so you bench is helping me out with some equipment at cost price. It's still very expensive, but I've managed to get an awesome, awesome piece um, through my backer buddy account. So on my website, there's a backer buddy, and all funds that go to there go straight to my to my gym, to my training, to my therapy. Um, okay. So that's yeah, that's what the funds are for from the backer buddies for getting me equipment and my main goal like within the next two to three mm. years i'm going to have my own studio so just a small little private studio mm. my sell some okay. using products have some deranged clothing that i'm doing online um mm. so not only online but my own little setup that's my yeah, goal just own, have my own little own, section your own fitness brand basically yeah well i do have it. it's mark up it's under my own name marco petrowski and um, yeah, I just want to, yeah, I've established it. It's all together. And now I just mm. want to have my own spot, you know, where people yeah. can come. I just mm. have my own store in, in 2012 in Cape Quarter mm. and my own supplement store. And it was awesome. It rocked. I really enjoyed it. You know, you have mm. your TV there, selling clothing, selling supplements, uh, people popping in just to chill with me, spending some time, like half an hour, just to chat. So on the mm. couch, we'd be chatting. And that's my thing. I love giving advice. I love helping out. Yeah. Again, like you say, what's your purpose? I guess my purpose is just to to help people and to assist in whatever way I can possible. You know, yeah. if I can, yeah. I will. If I can't, I'll find mm. someone else who will help you. So mm. even in mm. Durban, I said to all my friends, and they all know, if you want anything, ask Marco. If you can't get it, you'll, you'll get someone that can get it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell me, just on a practical level, because um, I mentioned to you in the first interview, and the, you know everyone that follows me regularly knows, because I always talk about people in my life. But um, so Doug, my brother, I told you was he was number he was the 
world champion uh, in his category on, you know, the bodybuilding. Well, Mr. Mm -hmm. South Africa, should I say. Um, But is the equipment... So, because he, I'm just curious, actually, because he is, he supplies equipment um, oh. as well, because he's got his own gym. Um, oh, wow. But is the is the equipment the same? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yep. I use the same equipment: dumbbells, cables. Yeah, it's all there. Very much basically mm. the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll put you guys in contact because he cool. he supplies equipment and installs it awesome. and all that. Jazz. Wow. Yeah. So I'm just, I'll, I'll tell him about you. Uh, I'll give him a call later. But awesome. um, yeah, actually, I should interview him because, I mean, he's like such a success story as well. And, you yeah. know, being uh, like, you know, being committed to, to anything in life, you know, is hard. And, um, but when you're really challenging your body, that's like, I think that's just the ultimate challenge right because because to get your mind to do to get your body to do what your mind tells it they don't always agree with each other never they never do and it always starts with the mind you know once you get that right mindset once you hit that mind yeah anything is really possible anything Mm. is truly possible you know i i started training at a very young age and my goal was to push big weights i wanted to push 100 kgs that was like my goal and um, when you get to that point, you're like, okay, I want more. I want more. And it starts with the mind. You know, once you hit that that plateau, mm. you've got to break through it. So, yeah. Well, I think <laughs> anything's possible, Jen. Anything is possible. Absolutely yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna leave. We're gonna leave with this, and we're gonna close off now. But I think let's just dig a little deeper into that part as we close off. Um, because this is the biggest struggle in life is is the mind, right? People's biggest struggle in life is the mind. So, and I mean, you've literally been, you've been taken, you know, to to the depths of despair, yeah, and and had to find the strengths and the connections and what works and how you're going to get out of this and make life work and and and. And you see all the cherries in the tree and you're going for them. You're picking them one mm. one pick at a time, you know, one cherry at a time. How can we, what can we leave our listeners with, um, either those who are in the trenches now or those who know that they go into the trenches from time to time and find it really difficult to get out, um, or even just those that have have desires in life and, and really want to see those come into fruition. But So let's try and... Leave our listeners with a message there. Steer away from any negativity, any negative thoughts. And that comes from what you watch, what you listen to, and um, the people around you. That That's the biggest thing that I've learned. I could, I could leave with the lesson. So your influences, yeah. So what, what, what's your thoughts? Keep it positive at all times. At all times, at all times, at all times. I, keep, I try my best to keep negativity away from me. You can't help it. It will always come, you know, like the devil. It always comes, but you just got to keep the faith. For those that, that uh, sorry, for those that are in faith, I believe in God. I'm a full, full, full gospel, full Christian. So, yeah, just keep the faith and keep positive. Steer away from any negativity whatsoever. And that's what mm. I do. I try my best. Any negative thoughts, try and break it. 
people come in, they're like, oh, this happened to me and this and that. And that. Listen for a while. Take it in for a while, but not too much. And no winter's death. And also intuition. Sorry, there's another thing. If your gut feeling says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So guys, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Share the show with all your family and friends. As I always say, sharing is caring. Go to the website, inspirationalinterviews.com, and also join the club, please. There you'll have access to really super cool features and also, yeah, great guest content, and you'll be a part of our live interviews. Find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, see you on the flip side. My